here to the Sunday School Hour. Thank you for putting up with the changes that we've needed to make in the building. And I trust that we can adapt to this quickly, and I trust it gets over quickly. The Lord is blessing with beautiful weather for the upcoming week, just a little bit of rain. Uh, but hopefully much will be done. They have a lot already emailed to us about the uh, beginning to dig the foundation and the footers for that and the progress and the steel that's arriving this week and uh, building things happening. So the permit is in hand. We actually have it on the property. We're able to go forward. And so we praise the Lord for all of those things. Uh, one thing to pray about, Pastor Seth is again having trouble with his heart. If you would be in prayer for him, he's going to be having a... A test tomorrow evening and then Tuesday uh, has an appointment with the cardiologist and so forth. So I think they're going to have to do the ablation uh, surgery that they were talking about doing before, uh, wanting to put off three months, but I think they're going to need to do that as he walks in. I am talking about you. And what are you going to do about it? <laughs> I can just run. You'll never be able to catch up with me. Uh, so uh, let's keep in our, in our prayers and ask for the Lord's protection and watch care over him uh, and his heart as well. Again, we've moved a few things around. There is a table now in the back that if you come in the back door there, there are uh, bulletins there. There's also the sheets for Sunday school and Sunday morning or Sunday evening, whatever. There'll be sheets back there. Prayer sheets will be back there as well as on the Welcome Center. There's also now an offering box in the back there instead of up front here because probably this door won't be used a whole lot at this point in time. You are more than welcome at any point to kind of open the front doors, peek your head out to be able to get a close view of what is happening with the building project out there. Uh, if you let the doors close behind you, you may be stuck out there. Uh, and there's no windows in those the doors anymore. We needed those for the other doors. And so uh, uh, just be aware of that. But uh, please feel free to look around and, again, make suggestions as need be. Uh, we're all going through this for the first time together. So uh, we'll have to learn and adapt and do it together for the Lord's honor and glory. Turn with me, and if you would, in your Bible to Psalm 73. Psalm 73. We've been looking at Asaph and his psalm. It's a psalm where uh, he has shared his heart's desire, and uh, we've looked at this in a number of different directions, and we will continue to do so over the next couple of weeks. I actually think the lesson that I go through today will take two weeks to cover that material. Uh, I'm sure more material will be added to it, but I don't think that I'll be able to cover everything today and to give us a greater understanding of this. And so we'll take a little bit of time uh, to look at the selfish desires of the heart. Uh, you have heard me speak to something similar to this uh, called idols of the heart. And I think this is really important for us to see and consider together. Uh, I think it's something that really every year to two years, it's a topic that ought to be looked at from different angles. I've never looked at it from this angle before. And so some similar to material, some of it to what you've seen, may have seen before. Uh, but definitely looking at it from a new direction. Karen had sent me some verses that had impacted her. She thought it sounded a lot like uh, Asaph, and it's found in Jeremiah. You don't need to turn there. If you have the study sheet, you'll see it there, I believe, where it says, Righteous art thou, O Lord, when I plead with thee, yet let me talk with thee of thy judgments. Wherefore doth the, the way of the wicked prosper? Doesn't that sound a little bit like Asaph? 
He, he, and, and notice the opening. Lord, you're righteous. And when I plead with thee, let, let me talk. Let me just talk with you a little bit, Lord, about how, how you're doing with the judgments thing. And he says, when I look at the wicked, they're prospering. What are you doing about that is kind of uh, Jeremiah's idea here. Wherefore, doth the way of the wicked, pro- why do they prosper? And uh, wherefore are all they happy that deal very, tr- again, that pr- happiness, prosperity, just like Asaph was concerned about when he saw the wicked, they're happy, they're not in pain like other men, they're, they're prosperous, more prosperous than anyone. Thou hast planted them, yea, they have taken root, they grow, and they bring forth fruit. Thou art near in their mouth, and yet, he says, they talk about you, but their heart's not close to you. Now, again, Jeremiah is is putting his finger on the pulse of something that many Christians have struggled with. These, These are holy men of God that are struggling with this and just sharing their heart with the Lord. And I, the Lord is really impacting my life uh, with a psalm currently that I'm going to preach in an evening series coming up shortly. But he says, you, you planted them, and boy, are they growing. And I don't like to see how they're growing uh, because they're happy and they're prosperous. So anyway, uh, I found it interesting. I told Karen, wow, this is good. So I went there in my Bible and found I already had those cross-references so some years ago, I must have found the same verses, cross-referenced them, and put them in there. But they're just a good reminder that Asaph's not the only guy struggling with this. And David talks about this as well in Psalm 37, when he says, Fret not with evildoers, don't fret with those, be angry with those who are prospering in the way. And so David says the same similar thing. So we, we might identify that in our lives. What we need to get to is uh, what are the selfish desires that cause us to get upset, sometimes even with the Lord, when we see, why does it make us upset when a wicked person prospers? What's the selfish desire in our heart if there is one? What's the selfish desire? We want to look at that this morning and identify that, and hopefully find some things helpful for us today. Let's begin with a word of prayer. Dear Father, I come to you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Guide us now in our study. Uh, Father, it's evident not just Asaph struggled. Uh, He's not the abnormality here. Uh, But Father, a number of your holy men, Hosea, would struggle with similar thoughts. And similar convictions, not because they were weak in faith, just because they were strong in faith, I really believe. And so I I pray that you would help us to identify sometimes what are the selfish desires in our heart that we would actually be upset with what's happening in someone else's life when it's actually kind of somewhat none of our business. And so guide us in our understanding of your word here this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I sent out by email some questions that I'd like to bring up at the beginning of Sunday school and just kind of kind of exposing the selfish heart of Asaph. And I found personally in the opening about 14 verses when Asaph's kind of pouring out his heart a little bit, talking. And I, I talked about that two weeks ago when we last looked at this, uh, how we need to allow somebody to talk, share what's going on in their heart and 
he truly shared what's going on in his heart. And I, I said there are a couple places where he admits to or brings out the, the desire, the selfish desire that he has. I think there's at least two, possibly three different ones that we can identify here in the opening 14 verses. Who, who found one of them? Maybe you took the time to look at that. I sent that out by email. Uh, Anthony. Okay. So his first one he has mentioned is the first one I have as well. Verse number three, for I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. So when he saw their prosperity, he desired that for himself. And so envy is that selfish desire for what someone else has. So he says, I'm looking at the wicked and seeing what they have, and I want it. And so one of the selfish desires exposed here, is it sinful to want prosperity? Think about it. Is it sinful in and of itself to want prosperity? I don't believe it is. Anybody that starts a business is hoping it's going to be prosperous. The Lord also speaks of prosperity uh, for the righteous, and he wants to bless the righteous. Job was a man that was extremely prosperous. So I don't think prosperity in and of itself is sin. But there is something that will move it from just being a desire to being a sinful desire. And we'll talk about that. What's what's another one maybe found in these opening verses? Or maybe you found something mentioned later. I found them most evident in the opening. Someone else? Yes, Brother, Brother Ted. Pride, okay. Where do you see that in particular? Anywhere in particular? Verse number six. Okay. So he mentions their pride, likes to point out their pride, but he's bringing out, a, Brother Ted's bringing out a great point, but they're demonst- he's demonstrating pride at the same time. So, isn't that so easy for us to do, point out somebody else's weaknesses when we sometimes struggle with the same or something very similar? Uh, by the way, when I mentioned Brother Ted, I appreciate him uh, sending us some drone pictures that he's been taking of the building project. If you're wondering where they're coming from, it's not from Pastor Stess standing on the roof of the church. Uh, it is from Brother Ted here with his drone, and we appreciate that. And so he has pride and it's it's partly seen in that he's finding fault with others instead of finding fault with himself. That's a great observation. What's another? Anybody have another? Yeah, Brother Derek. Uh, verse 13, almost as if he's envious that uh, he had to go through extra work mm-hmm. by being a, a believer in God. Yeah, for verily I've cleansed my heart in vain and washed my hands in innocency. I'm going through all this, and I don't have nearly the amount of, uh, or I don't, they don't have the struggles that I have. I should word it that way. And I, I find that as well uh, when he talks about uh, they, they don't have pain like other people, and they, they don't have difficulty. Uh, there are no bands in their death, verse number four. Their strength is firm. They're not in trouble as other men. 
And he says, here I am going through all this. And so I, I think the third thing is identified in that uh, he would want fewer difficulties because of what he's doing, the way he's trying to live the Christian life, what he's doing for King David as a song leader. I shouldn't have as many struggles, and they're not having many struggles, and here they are living the Christian life. So I think, again, I don't think it's wrong for us to want to have a, a healthy life. Uh, but that can become a desire that turns sinful, and that is seemingly done so uh, in the life here of Asaph. And, and I find it interesting. Let me just mention this. Maybe I, I'm preaching, and I shouldn't be. This is Sunday school. Uh, but sometimes in our prayer, uh, and, and we pray, Lord, uh, you know, help me to feel better. How often is that? A really just a sinful request because the only reason we want to feel better is so that we feel better not that we serve the Lord better or not that we have a greater opportunity a lot of times it's just so we feel better and he says you know sometimes you ask and miss it you may consume it upon your own lust you, you just want you just want you know the trial to go away you just and he says it's not a desire to serve me more or love me more or spend more time in the work it's just a desire for you to feel better. And so I, I find it somewhat that way with Asaph. He says, well, I've done all this for nothing. And uh, so, again, we need to be careful. Are, are all desires uh, sinful that sometimes lead to sin? Well, again, I, do you think all the desires that, they have, that he has are necessarily sinful? I don't think they are. But what makes them become sin? Who can help me with that? I've kind of exposed that a little bit already. But what makes a desire? Maybe you have a desire for just a, a relaxing evening. Uh, maybe you have a desire for uh, to be able to, to go out to eat or something like that. What, what can move that from just being a, a, a good desire to being something that's sinful? Brother Tim. Okay, Envy. Brother Richard. Okay, so he's saying sometimes it becomes sinful because there are other things that we really should be doing. And instead of doing those things that we're uh, serving ourselves, so to speak. Pastor Terry. That's a good, really good point. He said he read a quote from Spurgeon where Jesus wept, but he never complained. And uh, that's a pretty great observation there. So Pastor Terry's saying what happens is sometimes when we're not getting those desires that we want, then we complain. That makes it sinful. Good observation. Becky, you have your hand up. Hmm. Feel like it's owed to us. Feels like I, it's my right. And a little bit, I think Asaph is thinking that, you know, I, I cleanse my heart in vain. I shouldn't have ever done, I, that was a waste of time, because I'm not getting anything for it. Good observation. Yes, Justin. Coveting, Coveting correct. Coveting would be added to that. Sometimes we covet that, then we're going to seek after that. 
Uh, somebody else, anything else? Yeah, brother. So one alternate they always tell you you're worth it. Hmm. Yeah, you deserve it. You're worth it, you deserve it. Yeah, we get that idea. Pastor Bortz? Yeah, I'm just picking up on Richard's idea. I, the word priority comes to my mind. Hmm. You make it a priority over top of things that should be the priority. Hmm. The things of the Lord or other things that should come first, but now it is it has become all-encompassing. It's become the thing, yeah. and that becomes sinful. Then. Good. Uh, very good observation. So it's priority in all things. He ought to have the preeminence. And uh, someone, I remember back in Bible college, somebody preached a message, God shouldn't be first place. He ought to be the head of all your priorities. Uh, you, you know, I always think that God ought to be my number one priority. He says, don't put him in the list with everything else. It just makes him somewhat equal and fighting for some a level. He ought to be the author of all priorities, and then everything falls under that. That was really good. I, I, he impacted me enough that now, uh, I think I got out of college maybe 10, 12 years ago. Uh, whew, how many years? 30-plus years ago. Uh, I, I now know that Roy's getting old because I, 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 he's, he's just ahead of me in college. So, uh, Roy, we're getting up there, aren't we? Wisdom is coming, is it not? Uh, but no, really good, because then we're not prior. I mean, if we don't prioritize properly, it can become then a sin. Uh, if you've got a priority to take care of a need and you find yourself out doing something as just pleasure, uh, that, that's actually now a sin uh, because you, you've missed the mark. Uh, let's look at the chart here. If you have the chart, this actually went along with Sunday school. I, Maybe you should have stapled them together or something. So you may not have this. You can pick this up on the way out. Uh, but this is something that I was shown, developed this one specifically uh, on my own. Uh, it's talking about the selfish desires of the heart. With this chart here in lap, let's turn over to Ezekiel 14. I like to look at them kind of together. So to me, when a desire becomes selfish, it becomes sinful. I've just tried to make it simple. If I can understand it, I think you can understand it. So I recognize in my life, when I'm desiring something and it's become selfish, then it's become sinful. The way to identify if it's become selfish in my life moves to the left-hand side of the chart how do I determine if something is an idol? Uh, if, how do you determine if something is an idol in your uh, life? What will I do in order to get it? Uh, so using any number of illustrations or things we would like to have, what am I willing to do in order to get it? Well, it's become an idol or it's become a sinful desire, a selfish desire if I'm willing to sin in order to get it. I'm going to yell at somebody. I'm going to make up a lie to, in order to get it. I'm going to steal it in order to get it. That, then that, has, that is something now that's so selfish it's become sinful. The other one is how do I respond if I don't get it? So if, if I, you know, the wife says no, the husband says we can't, whatever may happen. The workplace says no. How do I respond to that? Do I, do I now cuss somebody out? Do, do I yell at somebody for that? 
Uh, do, I, do I leave early, just get mad and leave early? Do I just walk off? Uh, do I begin to gossip to others about what just happened? Okay. That desire you wanted so badly, you're willing to sin because you didn't get it. So that a good, you know, sometimes you want your business to do better. And sometimes we're willing to go to the wrong lengths to make sure it gets better. Okay, that's now become a sinful desire and a selfish desire. And so I think it's really been enlightening to me when those two questions were presented to me a number of years ago, uh, probably along with a similar chart to this. Uh, when I, I look at these desires as desires on the right-hand side, the Lord on the throne on the left-hand side, he ought to be on the throne of our heart or on the throne of our life. That's what's uh, indicated under that throne. So if the Lord ought to be seated on the throne of our heart or he ought to be uh, seated as ruler on the, on the throne of our lives. And so if I have a desire that preempts, I, I'm willing to sin against the Lord. Now, in the center there, then it has idols. Something has gone from being a desire to being an idol when it dethrones the Lord. I'm willing to sin against the Lord to get it or, or if I don't get it. So now it's become more important to me than the Lord. Well, let me ask you, what is the idol? I've determined this. The idol isn't the TV show that I wanted to watch and couldn't or the shopping I wanted to do and I couldn't, or the restaurant I wanted to go to and I couldn't, or whatever else you might fill it in. There's so many things we could fill in there. I don't really think that's the idol. I think I'm the idol. It's all about pleasing me. So the idol, so then in a sense what we're doing is we're taking the Lord off the throne and putting ourselves there. It's all about us not about the Lord. So I, I don't think the TV becomes the idol because the idea is, oh, I need to throw away my TV. That may be true. Because especially if you're having enough trouble with it, that may be very true. Uh, that may be true, but that is not going to be the solution to your selfish heart. Just throwing the television away, you're just going to desire something else. You're going to throw away a lot of things in your life if, if you go that route. So the key is changing your heart. Because if you become a less selfish person, you can own a television and not sin with it. You can own golf clubs and not sin with it. Sorry, didn't mean, oh boy, I got his attention now. No more drone pictures from Ted. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. You know, you take a sport, a basketball, football, whatever the sport is for you. You know, if we're not dealing with the heart and just throwing away the things, we really haven't solved anything. So for years, I've heard this presented, such and such becomes the idol of your heart. And I really have been meditating really probably two years through this and determining, no, what's really become the idol is me. You've heard me use Rand Hummel's quote, two options on the shelf, pleasing God and pleasing self. 
And so really, you, you morph those two ideas together. When I'm wanting something so badly that I'm willing to sin in order to get it, or then if I don't get it, I'm willing to sin because I didn't get it, then I'm the idol, and I've dethroned God. Satan says in Isaiah 14, I will be like the Most High. Now, I don't know. I, I, I don't see it. I don't see any of you saying, and I, I picked on Brother Ted, but I guarantee if I said golf clubs are God, I know what he would say. Golf, playing golf is not the idol of his life and of his heart. He'd rather please and serve the Lord. Uh, and, and I don't think anyone would out here say, ah, I want to be like the Most High. I, I want, but if we're not careful, we're going to allow things to be so desired in our lives that it's going to become a selfish, sinful desire. And we're going to kick God off the throne and say, it's all about me. Now, again, let me just kind of hit the pause button. I, I really want to go to Ezekiel 14. But please, I, I am not doing an ultimate condemnation of Asaph. If the Lord would ever put some of my thoughts on the pages of Scripture, probably some of you would tear it out and say it's sacrilegious and blaspheming. Because we all have wrong thoughts. So, so let's not throw out Asaph as this horrible person to, to the recognition we all at times struggle with thoughts and desires. We just have to pinpoint our own. We don't have to pinpoint anybody else's. So let's look here a little bit at how Ezekiel describes it. This is a tremendous passage of Scripture. It's the opening eight verses. It kind of flows and unfolds. And let's just work with that a little bit. So Asaph's had some idols, had some desires that have become sinful. He's envying and feeling like the Christian life hasn't been worth it. So Ezekiel describes this way. Then came certain of the elders of Israel unto me and sat before me. And the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, these men have set up idols in their heart. So this is the Lord talking to Ezekiel about these, uh, these elders of Israel. And he says they've established idols, but they don't have the idols as a, a physical stone or wood or something like that. They actually have idols in their heart and put the stumbling block of iniquity, of their iniquity before their face, should I be inquired of them any, at all anymore? So there's a couple things going on here that you're going to notice. There's some progression to it. These men have set up some idols in their heart. There's some things that are really, I'll say it this way and making an application of it, they're really wanting some things really badly, and they're wanting it so badly that they're, they're really making it a temptation for them to sin in order to get it. Kind of brings back what this chart and this lesson's all about. He says, should I even be inquired of them anymore? If they, if they come to me in prayer, should I even be answering their prayers? Now, let me tell you, dear friend, somewhat, we, we've failed somewhat in our preaching sometimes when we've preached on Isaiah 59 two that sins have separated between you and your God that he will not hear. 
I really believe that's talking about a, a sin that we are just refusing to give up. I, I don't think if you know somebody says, oh man, I'm afraid to pray because if, if there's something in my life, God won't hear me. I, I don't think that God is such a judge and I think that God is so gracious that if there's something in your life and you cry out to God, God's not going to say, ah, oh, there's a sin you haven't repented yet. I'm not listening. God's, you don't know the God I know if that's how you think. But I do believe when we have something that we are retaining in our hearts and lives and won't let it go, it's like God says to the husband that won't honor the wife, I'm limiting your prayer life. And so I really believe that is the idea that Isaiah speaks and the same idea that Ezekiel is talking about. When you have something that you just won't let go, why should I listen to you anymore? So he goes on and develops this a little bit further in verse number 4. Therefore, I think it's a key word, have it marked in my Bible, therefore, Speak unto them and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord. So he's giving them a chance. Isn't that how gracious God is? He, he says, I know they've got idols, and, and I know they're putting a stumbling block, but, but give them a chance. Speak to them. Every man of the house of Israel that setteth up idols in his heart and putteth the stumbling block of iniquity before his face and cometh to the prophet, I, the Lord, will answer him that cometh according to the multitude of his idols. So if you've got all these idols in your heart and life, I'm going to answer you according to what all is going on in your life. This would be similar to a child coming and asking you if they can do something and you taking in consideration how they've lived that day and uh, how you just feel like, no, this isn't, this isn't the day to be asking me to do that. You've been disobedient all throughout the day. And according to all the things that you've been doing today, I am not allowing you to have this pleasure this evening and go do this or uh, take part in that or have these friends over, whatever it may be. Verse 5, that, that I may take the house of Israel in their own heart because they are all estranged from me through their idols. Therefore, say unto the house of Israel, thus saith the Lord, repent and turn. So he, he's not saying, you don't have any chance with me. This is the gracious God that we, we should love and serve. God is saying, Look at yourselves. Listen to me. I, I'm sending a messenger. Take down the idols. Break them apart. Repent. Turn yourselves from your idols. And turn away your faces from all your... Turn away from the sin. So again, they had set up desires that they wanted, and those desires were causing them a, an opportunity to sin, a stumbling block of offense. But I want you to see something that I found, I don't know, Monday or Tuesday of this week. Look at verse number 7. I think it's so key. For every one of the house of Israel or the stranger that sojourneth in Israel, which separateth himself from me and setteth. So what happened first? You see, this is how we often look at it, and this is how we often perceive it. I set up an idol, I sin, then I'm separated from the Lord. He says, you know what? The separation happened far, far long ago. The only reason you wanted an idol is you weren't close to me anymore. 
again, an exposing of the selfishness that's in our heart. The reason we're wanting those things so badly is because we're not wanting him as badly as we ought to. And what happens is we first have turned away from the Lord. And then we turn to the something that will satisfy us because we don't have the Lord satisfying us anymore. And then we've set up a stumbling block of iniquity. We're going to sin in order to get it or we're going to sin if we don't get it. So let me just stop and ask you. I, I need to stop. Uh, you are saying that. I need to say that. What in your life might there be that you're wanting it so badly, even though it seems to be a good thing, that you're willing to turn away from the Lord, you're willing to sin against him just in order to have it? Many wonderful godly Christians but I think there's something in all of our hearts. I really do. What it is, I, I can't pinpoint, and it's not all going to be the same. But for all of us, there's something. Now, thankfully, it does, maybe doesn't raise its head every day. For you, maybe the temptation's once a week, maybe the temptation's every couple days, maybe the temptation's every day. But there are some things that we're willing to turn away from the Lord and pursue because it's a selfish desire and we have now put ourselves on the throne of our lives. If you can, bring these sheets back. Let's look at them a little more closely next week before we move forward in our study. Dear Father, help us as we try to expose and diagnose the, the selfish desires of our own heart. Uh, search me, O God, David would say in Psalm 139. Try me. See if there be any wicked way in me. Uh, other, other tremendous verses. Uh, Father, what is there that we are willing to remove you from the preeminence and make ourselves preeminent. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.